I want to welcome you this morning to Real Cuff. This is Sandra, and today we have Troy Black. Uh, Many months ago, we interviewed him when his book, My Mess, came out. But today he's going to tell you all the things that's transpired since then and and give you an update on him. So, Troy, go ahead. Well, I'm probably going to talk about those things at the end. Um, First, uh, the first thing I want to talk about, though, is something I feel like the Lord has given me this week. Um, And when you first asked me to do this interview, I remember you mentioning something about... um, talking about having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and I got this phrase in my mind of getting to know the real Jesus. Like, what does it take to get to know the real Jesus? And then the next phrase that came to my mind, and I feel like it was from the Lord, is just the phrase, I'm done with religion. And I think uh, that's really my main point today, is, is the fact that I, I really am done with religion. And instead of seeking religion, what I want to be seeking is Jesus. Um, and so I started praying about this this week, and I feel like the Lord gave me the four questions to ask. Um, so I'm, what I'm going to do, and this might be uh, a little different, but I want to go through four questions, and then I want to answer those questions with religion's answer and then Jesus' answer. Um, but before I do that, um, I just want to say that um, there was a time in my life uh, when I definitely considered myself very religious, um, and I considered myself a Christian more specifically. Um, but the truth is that I didn't know this, but I didn't know the real Jesus. I would talk about Jesus, and I would sing worship songs about Jesus or to Jesus, and I even prayed sometimes to God, but I did not know Jesus as my friend. And, in fact, I was actually scared to get to know him because I thought that uh, if, if I really got to know him, that there was no way that he could actually love me after everything I had done, especially um, because, because of the religious mindset that I had. And so what I want to say today is, is that I'm done with religion. And I'm not, that doesn't mean I'm done being a Christian. It doesn't mean I'm done being a follower of Christ but it simply means I'm done putting religion first. And I'm done living under a spirit of religion. Um, I really, I grew up with a, with a religious mindset, and, um, and I think that that mindset can actually blind you or blind us as Christians from seeing who Jesus really is. And the day that I actually met Jesus, that was the day that my life changed. Up until that point, nothing had changed. But when I really met him, everything changed. So the four questions that I want to talk about, um, the number one is, what is he like? And when I say he, I'm talking about God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I'm talking about God in general. What is he like? And religion's answer to this, religion says that 
God is judgmental. And this is the very reason that I couldn't move forward in my relationship with Jesus before I, I met him for who he really is because I was so scared of, of God being judgmental that I was scared of making one mistake. I couldn't make any mistake uh, growing up. I was, I was just, you know, um, so worried that, that if I made a mistake that all of a sudden I would lose um, favor with God. And then, the crazy thing is, you can't live a perfect life. You can't not make mistakes. And so once I began to make mistakes, and once I fell into the habit of making mistakes, there was no way after that that I could face him. And all I could do was pacify my shame. Because religion was telling me, religion was answering that question in my mind, saying, God is judgmental. And what's amazing is that Jesus' answer to this question is similar but different because Jesus says that God is holy but also that God is love. Um, uh, Psalms 99.9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for holy is the Lord our God. So the Bible tells us that God is holy, but also in 1 John 4.8, it, it tells us that the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if God is holy and God is love, that's the question. How do those two things come together? Because uh, Psalm 711 says, uh, actually talks about God being a righteous judge. So the fact that he is a judge is actually in the Bible, but, but religion will take that and say that's all God is. All he is is a judge. He's, just, just, he's going to judge everything you do, and, and you have to be, meet this perfect standard. Well, the truth is there is a, a perfect standard. There is a holy standard. But the reason Jesus, his answer is that God is holy and God is love is because the way judgment or righteousness and love come together is that because of his love for us, a righteous judge sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty. So <laughs> he paid the perfect, the, the, the righteous standard, the holy just standard, he met it for us because of his love. Something else that religion says um, when answering the question, what is God like? What is he like? Something else that religion says is God is no fun. And I know that culture says this too, but I, but I think the reason the culture says this is because religion has grabbed onto this so strongly and, and said that uh, the God does not want you to have a good time. And what, what ends up happening is in, in, uh, when we are living in a religious mindset and in culture nowadays, or any time really, um, we try to fight that idea that God is no fun by satisfying our desire for a good time by feeding our body and our soul. And there's so many ways that we can do this. Um, and I'm not going to go into that, but what I do want to say is that religion, all these answers <laughs> that religion gives are wrong. Um, and, and once we look at Jesus' answer, I think we can see why. Um, religion says that God is no fun, and Jesus says that God is good and that he has good plans for us. And I truly believe that after, uh, after five or six years of following Christ, after you know, a lifetime before that of, of following religion, I've 
I have definitely come to believe that you can have way more fun being a follower of Christ when you're truly when you truly know Him than you ever could either rejecting religion or accepting religion. Um, Mark ten eighteen actually says uh, it says, and Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So we know that Jesus calls God good, and He's actually the only person that is good, that is fully good. Um, and I think the reason I wanted to say that is because if God is good, and if we accept that, we have to accept that He has good plans for us. Because someone who is good is going to have is going to have a good plan. Uh, Isaiah fifty-five nine says, "For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts." This is God uh, speaking directly, God the Father, and He's saying that you know you're going to have your variation, your version of what is the best life for you in your mind. Everybody creates that. You know, from a young age, even as children, we start dreaming. Whenever I get to be older, whenever I get to be an adult. I, I want to do this. I want to be this. I want to be there. Uh, I want to, you know, like <laughs> my daughters are, are very young right now, and they both already, they're both under four years old, and they both want to be princesses already. Because in their mind, that's the best thing they could be. And I think we all do that, even as adults. We still think, if I, just, if I got this idealistic version of my life set out, then I would be happy. I would have, I would have everything I wanted, and, and I would have, a good time. But Jesus' answer to that question is a little different. And I think we, we can honestly see that because there's so many rich and famous people out there who are completely miserable and who, when, when asked the question, will be honest and say, no, money and, and fame and this life of, of success has not made me happy. It really hasn't. Uh, Psalm 16:11 says, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. And the reason I love this verse so much is because it speaks directly against the idea that God is no fun. In fact, it says the only place that we're going to find fullness of joy is in the presence of the Lord. And that's in eternity and it's also now. And it says in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. And to me, that means that God actually knows. He knows what is going to be more joyful, what is going to be more fun, what is going to be more in line with the actual desires he has put in our heart. He knows, he knows that better than we do. And in fact, he wants us to be in his presence forever, meaning that he wants us to be full of joy forever. And right now here on earth, uh, I said that religion, the way we fight that idea that God is no fun is we feed our body and our soul, but we are soul, body, and spirit. And the way that Jesus satisfies that desire in us is by feeding our spirit. And that's something that religion in and of itself can't do. Because our spirits are actually dead before we know Christ, before we become believers and we're saved. Our spirits, our body and our soul are alive, and they're crying out you know, for satisfaction. But our spirits are, are dead and, and they're quiet. But once our spirit becomes alive, then Jesus begins to feed that. And once we begin to seek him for satisfaction, he begins to feed our spirit. And then all of a sudden, we have what he calls abundant life. Um, and I'm, and I'm actually 
uh, I think about the illustration of like Adam and Eve in the garden. How, um, to me, the voice of religion would have said to Adam and Eve, if they had thought about it this way, look at that tree that God said you can't eat from. Like, look how good it looks. Man, God is no fun. He's not letting you eat that tree. But Jesus' answer would have said, look at the thousands and thousands of trees I have given you to eat from. Look at this vast garden. Don't look at the one tree. <laughs> you know, like I've given you so much, but relig- the voice of religion has blinded you from seeing the abundant life that I've given you. And when the Holy Spirit enters our lives, he opens our eyes. Like that's a metaphor for me. Like I don't think that story is a metaphor in the Bible. I think it's true. But, uh, but I was using it as a metaphor now, as an illustration to show how we can either be living in that abundant life mindset when we know Christ personally, or if, if we're living under a spirit of religion, we're going to be living in this, this stale life mindset of everything that God doesn't let me do. Um, but when the Holy Spirit comes in, he opens our eyes to those countless other trees in our lives that God has put there for our good. And the reason he's put them there is because he's good and he has good plans for us. But it really takes trust, you know, to get to that place, to move from that place of self-satisfaction to the place where God is the one satisfying the desires of our heart. It takes trust in the fact that he is good, and that's what the Word says. So it really comes down to, do we, are we going to trust him enough to believe that God knows what's best for me, or, or are we going to keep going under the mindset of, I know what's best for me? In Romans 10.11 makes uh, an awesome promise to those who do trust in the Lord. It says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And there's been times in my life when, <laughs> you know, I start thinking, God, I, I'm looking at the scripture and I'm thinking, God, I feel disappointed right now, you know? Because look at the way this situation has turned out. And the Holy Spirit has to remind me, you know, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with that situation. I'm not done with you. It's not over. And when, when you see the way it really turns out, you are not going to be disappointed. Uh, so the first question I asked was, what is he like? Um, the second question I want to ask, and I'm only going to have one answer to this question for both, but... The second question is, why do I need to know him? So what is God like? Jesus says that God is holy, God is love, he is good and he has a good plan for us. So why do I need to know him? And I, and I, I need to preface this, uh, both of these answers, religion's answer and Jesus' answer, by saying that uh, the, real, the reason we need to know him is because um, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I think religion will say that uh, in some ways, and Jesus will say that too, um, the fact that we need saving. That's the reason we need to know him. So religion's answer to that, to that idea that we need saving, and that's why we need to know him, is that religion says we need to know him because we need saving, and knowing him is part of our good work to achieve that salvation. It's, it's part of the process, or it's part of our work to do it. And in order to do this, it says that, you know, like our good, how much good we do has to exceed our bad. And knowing Jesus is one of those good works that we have to do to, to, to be better than we are worse. And the problem here, the problem that occurs is that uh, when we start attempt, when we attempt to achieve righteousness through good works, we actually become the judge of right and wrong instead of the word of God being the standard. And 
I, I started thinking about this week, and I started thinking, well, what's the difference between religion and the culture? And the difference is uh, the way they see, uh, you know, like good works, uh, like achieving salvation is the culture says that there's no, you know, there's no moral absolute because there's no God. So there's, there's nobody to set the standard. Religion says uh, God is, is expecting us to be better, to, to be good enough, you know, to exceed our bad deeds so that we can be uh, righteous in his eyes. And the problem with that is we actually get the same mindset of, of culture and we start saying, well, you know, that's okay if you have some of these bad things in your life, as long as you have more good things than bad. And so we start looking at some things that are actually in the Bible that God sees as sin, and we start saying, well, that's not really a sin, and even if it was, it's okay because I'm doing all these good things over here to make up for it. Uh, and the problem is not, the problem really is not the sin. The problem is our heart. Because when we're, when we're following religion, our heart is not, it, it, our heart is still our own. And you know what, we haven't given it over to Jesus. And when we give our heart over to Christ, he begins to transform that heart. And, he, and out, of, you know, out of the heart come either evil deeds or good deeds. So he begins to, to grow our heart into something that's producing good. And then all of a sudden, the standard, the Word of God, is, is written on our heart. It's not, you know, it's not like we have to go make sure we're doing everything perfect, or we have to make sure we know, uh, have a theologically correct answer to every sin issue out there. Instead, the Holy Spirit begins to show us, you know, the truth of God's Word and write it on our heart. But religion keeps us, keeps us, keeps our heart from being transformed. And so all of a sudden we have to start, we have to start making that list of right or wrong ourselves, and we're always going to make a mistake. So religion says the reason we need to know him is because knowing him is part of our good works to achieve salvation. Jesus' answer is way better. Jesus' answer is simply that he has already paid the full price for our salvation. He's already paid it. We don't have to achieve anything. And the reason he did this is simply because God loves us. And I think that's way better. <laughs> Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were stuck in sin, not while we were following religion, not while we were trying to do everything right. It doesn't matter where we were. Even if we were like in the, in the deepest, darkest hole, God loved us enough that Christ died for us. And I got this picture recently of, of someone who's like walking through the jungle. Uh, and they're, they've been walking through the jungle all day, maybe for days. They're sweaty. They're dirty. They, they smell horrible. You know, it's just they, they wish they could go, go check into a hotel and take a bath. Like, like they're so dirty. And all of a sudden they, they, they start seeing these, like, uh, water holes, like the standing water, like, you know, in the jungle, like these mud holes. And it, so they start trying to clean themselves off with all this water. But the problem is the water is dirty. It's, there's mud everywhere. It's gross. It's dirty. So the more they try to clean themselves off, the dirtier they get until they get to a, this clean, pristine waterfall. And all they have to do to get clean at the waterfall is to walk into it. All they have to do, walk underneath it, and it washes 
all the dirt and all the sweat away. And I think it's the same thing with Jesus. We have Religion tells us we have to work so hard to clean ourselves. The harder we work, the dirtier we actually get. And Jesus says, all you have to do to be clean is accept what I've already done for you. And the reason, the reason that we need to know him as our personal Lord and Savior is the Bible is very clear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So he's, it's because he's the only way that we're saved. It's, it's not part of the process. It is the, it is the process. And Jesus says something uh, pretty harsh in Matthew 7:23. He says, uh, "I never knew you." And he's, and he's talking to uh, you know people on Judgment Day who claim to know him but didn't have a relationship with him. He says, "I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." And I used to read this verse and think, "Man, everybody who was doing all the bad stuff—that's the reason why they didn't know him. It's because they were practicing lawlessness." But when you look at it in context of grace and scripture, I think you, you honestly, I believe we're meant to read it this way. Uh, the reason they practiced lawlessness was because they didn't know him, not the other way around. Because knowing him changes us into new creations. It's not the practicing of righteousness that allows us to know him. It's, it's the knowing him that transforms us. Uh, and one specific example is like... Um, like when you talk about reading the Word of God, you know, like religion will tell you, you need to read the Word of God every day, you need to read it for this many hours, you know, you need to get, you need to memorize this many verses. Um, and it's a duty thing. It's all about duty. It's all about getting it done and achieving something. But when you really fall in love with Jesus Christ, I think it's more like this. Uh, imagine that you had a million-dollar debt. Like you owed somebody a million dollars and there's no way that you could ever pay it off. And it was due tomorrow. And so <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, you get a, you get a check in the mail, and, and it's a check for a million dollars, and it says, pay off your debt. And then attached to that check is a note that tells you why they wrote you the check. Who would not read that note? Everybody would read it. You would be so excited that someone had paid off your enormous debt that there's no way you would keep yourself from reading that note because you would want to know who did it, why they did it, you know, what drove them to do this for you. And I think it's the same thing. When we, real, when we really get to know what Jesus really did for us, the, the enormous debt that he paid for us, and the reason that he did it was his love, when we get to know that, oh my gosh, we can't keep ourselves from reading his word because... It, it is, it's like a, this love letter that he's written along with, with what he did for us. And that's just one example. That's like a specific example with, of what happens when we fall in love with Christ and when his love for us beca- becomes our motivation. Instead of, you know, l- allowing duty or allowing achievement or allowing self-righteousness to be our motivation. And it's a way better place to live when love is your motivation. Uh, the first question was, that I asked was, what is he like? The second question is, why do I need to know him? And the third question I want to ask is, how can I get to know him? And I know that, I know that most churches, like if you go to church or you know, if you read Christian, Christian books or, or you know, if you've heard people speak about this, most of the time everyone's heard the answer, how do I get to know him? But I think what's, what's crazy is that within the 
the actual answer that Scripture gives, we add a bunch of things onto it. And I think what ends up happening, and what happened in my life when I was listening to the spirit of religion was that religion, religion's answer to this question was, to get to know him, you've got to go to church, you've got to read the Bible, you've got to do good works, and you've got to pray enough. You've got to do all these things over and over every day. You know, everything, you've got to make sure you're doing all this stuff or else you're not getting to know him or, you're, or he's going to reject you. And, and this is my way of thinking for such a long time. But Jesus' answer, similar to his answer to the last question, how do I get to know him? Jesus' answer is very simple, believe. And the day that, that the Holy Spirit revealed this to me, my entire life changed. We get to receive his gift of salvation through belief. And another way of saying that is by grace through faith. John 6, 29 uh, says, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's it. There's not a bunch of verses after that where he adds, and also this and this and this. He says, this is the work of God. This is it, that you believe. And the reason I believe he says that is because once we believe and once our, our heart is changed, once our heart is given to him, then he begins to transform us from the inside out. And all the other work that's done is because he is working on us. He is working in us, through us, and he's changing us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I love that Jesus wants to be our Savior, but he also wants to be our friend. When we take Jesus' answer to this question, how can I get to know him? And we believe. What happens is we believe his words and then, like I said, a relationship begins to form. John 15:15, 15, 15, Jesus says, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. This is awesome. And, and I'm going to get back to this later. Um, but right now, uh, I, wanted, I, wanted, uh, I wanted to, to mention that Jesus' his ideal situation for you, uh, for your relationship with God, is that you are his friend. That's what he wants for all of us, that we would be in friendship with him. Not that we would have a fear of messing up all the time. You know, that's a, that's a teacher, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a, a parent who's harsh all the time, you know, mindset. That's a teacher who never gives any grace mindset. That is a, uh, an employer or a boss, you know, who's always ready for you to mess up mindset. That's not, that's not a friend. A friend is somebody, you know, the Bible says a friend loves at all times. Because a true friend is somebody who is not waiting for you to, to mess up, is not looking down at you on another level and saying, well, whenever you get up here to my level, then we can talk. You know, then we can have a relationship. A friend is somebody who, when you mess up, they're there to cover your mistakes with love. And that is the exact thing that God did for us. You know, because the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, the questions that I've asked so far, and I've got one more, is what is he like? Why do I need to know him? How can I get to know him? And then the fourth question is, how can I grow in relationship with him? And the verse I just read, John 15, 15, I'm going to skip ahead for a second to Jesus' answer to this question. How can I grow in relationship with him? 
he gave us the answer right there in the verse. He said, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. The way that he has made known all things that he has heard from his Father to us, and he's talking specifically in that verse to his disciples on earth. He's saying, everything that he's given me to say to you, I have, given, I have said to you. But he still does that today. He still, he still wants to, to reveal everything to us that God wants to say to us today. And I'm going to show you how he does that in a second. But first I'm going to answer this question with religion's answer. How can I grow in relationship with him? Religion says to grow in relationship with Jesus, with God, you have to perfect yourself. All these things that you've been doing, the, the answer to how do I get to know him, go to church, read the Bible, do good works, pray enough, all those things, you have to perfect them. Work harder at them, get better at them until you don't make any mistakes. And the problem is, even with that religion, religious mindset, we're always going to have, even if we look perfect on the outside, we're always going to have a mistake that we're covering up, that we're not showing people. That's the same thing the Pharisees did. They looked perfect on the outside, but Jesus could see the condition of their hearts, you know, that their hearts had not been given over to God. And because of that, out of their hearts were flowing evil, and they were doing everything they could do to cover it up with, with good works. And I love... Jesus' answer to this question, how can I grow in relationship with him, has nothing to do with perfecting yourself. It has everything to do with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So God's desire for his children is that we would be led by his Spirit and that's the next step. We become a child of God when we get saved, when we get to know him, when we accept him and we believe in what he has done for us. And the next step is, is to grow in relationship with him and to allow him to transform us and to change us. And the way he does that is by making known to us everything that the Father wants to tell us and that is through, through the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. It's, the Holy Spirit is, is how Jesus speaks to us personally. You know, I've always, like, I've watched, like, um, movies that have Jesus, you know, the, they tell the story of of the uh, the Passion Week, or they tell maybe the story of Jesus's life. Or I've read books, you know, like um, even like when I was a kid, reading picture books and things with Jesus in them, or anything, or you know, like you you read the Bible or you hear the the parables that he is telling at at church or something like that. And I've always thought, man, if I could just talk to Jesus in person, you know, I would get all my problems solved. If he was, it would just show up and I could just have one hour with him and just talk to him, sit down, have a cup of coffee and say, Jesus, I need you to answer some questions because I am confused. You know, I, I'm having these problems that won't go away. And I know that, and my thought is, I know that he'd be able to answer if I could just talk to him in person. But the amazing thing is he wants to talk to us in person and the way he does that is he gets personal with us through the Holy Spirit because the same way that we want Jesus to show up and stand in the same room with us, the Holy Spirit shows up and he stands in the same room with us and he begins to answer those questions. And more than that, I think the most important thing, and this is just my personal opinion, the most important thing that I think the Holy Spirit does for us is that he fills our hearts with the love of God. And when he does that, God's love becomes our motivation. And that's why instead of you know works of righteousness um, being a means to cover up what's really coming out of our hearts, 
righteousness comes out of our hearts <laughs> because the love of God is filling our hearts and, and it's exploding out of us. And the way that the Holy Spirit does this, the way that he fills our hearts with God's love, is that he continuously points us back to what Jesus has done for us. Because all of a sudden the enemy comes in and starts saying, God doesn't love you, you know? Why would he let that happen to you if God loves you? And then the Holy Spirit comes in and he says, you don't think God loves you? (laughs) He says, look at the cross. Look at Jesus hanging on the cross and look at him forgiving the people that were doing that to him while he was still hanging on the cross. There's no way that you can say God doesn't love you. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I love that, because it says, Who was given to us? The Holy Spirit was a promise to us. He was, Jesus promised us that he would send the Holy Spirit when he went away. And so if we, if we decide not to receive the Holy Spirit, or if we think, well, he's not really for me, then we're missing out on an amazing promise that Jesus himself promised us. I want to wrap up by saying the way that I felt for a long time was, I felt like I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been doing all these good deeds for a long time, and yet when I would hear people talk about the love of God, and how great his love was for us, I would think, I'm just not experiencing that kind of love you're talking about. I just don't get it. You know, maybe it's not really as good as you say it is, or maybe you're just making that up and you're not really experiencing it. But if you have that feeling today, if you have that thought of, man, I feel like I've been a Christian for such a long time, and I just don't feel like I'm getting that love. You know, I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm in that place. Then there's two things that I would suggest that you do. One is, believe again. If you have believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and, you're, and you've been saved, believe again. Believing is not, is not just a one-time thing. Because Jesus came that we might have life. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we get that life. But he said that you might have life and life to the full, or abundant life. The way we get the abundant life is we keep believing. And... Revelation 2.4, Jesus says, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Why would you leave a love if you knew how much they loved you? If they really loved you enough to die for you, to give everything up for you, why would you leave your first love? You wouldn't. You would leave them because you didn't realize how much they loved you. And I think that that's the problem. When we... When we when we get saved and then we stop and we say, well, you know, I don't, you know, now, now that I'm saved, I'm going to try to perfect myself and I'm going to grow in a relationship with you by becoming a better person. What happens is we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with the love of God. And when that happens, then we begin to actually move away from him because we're not being reminded of his love for us. So number one, I would suggest that you believe again. And if you've never believed in the first place, this is your opportunity. Believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and he will save you. Number two, ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And if you've been filled with the Spirit before, ask God to fill you again. You know, we're not perfect people, and we, and we, don't, we, we don't do everything right. So we need to ask sometimes to be refilled with the Spirit, not because the Spirit has left us, but because we're not dwelling in the love of Christ, and we've decided to dwell in other things. 
religion will tell you, and I, and this is my this was my view of the Holy Spirit growing up. Religion will tell you that the Holy Spirit is weird. I'll be honest. I grew up thinking the Holy Spirit is weird, and I don't want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is our comforter and our counselor, and that is awesome. Someone who wants to comfort me on a daily basis, yes, absolutely. <laughs> the best way that I've ever heard it described is like this. And this is something that, uh, that I heard uh, Pastor Robert Morris talk about one time was that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's three in one. So if you think that the Holy Spirit is weird, then you think God is weird. We may have experienced people being weird in the name of the Holy Spirit, but that's just because some people are weird. And I think everybody's a little weird. I'm weird. (laughs) I know that. But the Holy Spirit's not weird. He's our friend. And the good news is, we can receive the Holy Spirit right now by asking His name. Jesus says in Luke eleven thirteen, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I just want to pray right now for anyone who's listening. Uh, whether you, whether you have, have never accepted the grace of God and the gift of salvation through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, or whether you have accepted it and you've believed and yet you feel like you're just not living that abundant life that he talks about, whether you feel like you, you are filled with the Holy Spirit right now or that maybe you never have been, I just want to pray right now that wherever you are, that, that next step, whatever it is, that you would take it today and that on top of that, your heart would begin to be filled with the love of God. Lord, I just thank you right now that you, that Jesus, when you left earth, you did not leave us alone. You said you would always be with us. You would never leave us nor forsake us. And I believe that the way you do that is through filling us with the Holy Spirit, is through your presence in our daily lives. And I just thank you so much for that right now, God. And I just ask that anyone who is listening, Lord, that has not accepted you, that you would give them grace and courage right now to say, Jesus, I need you. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm tired of trying to achieve righteousness. I can't do it, Lord. Please forgive me of my sins, and please give me the grace of God and cover my sins with your blood. And I accept your gift of righteousness and salvation through you right now in Jesus' name. And anyone else, Lord, that has has not received the Holy Spirit but would like to, I just ask that you would fill them right now in the name of Jesus, that your spirit would come in and that you would begin to reveal your love for them, that you would begin to speak to them personally, Lord, as a friend, that you would begin to show them, you said that you would teach us all things through your Holy Spirit, that you you would remind us of all that Jesus has said to us. I ask that you would do that very thing, Lord, that you would start reminding them of your word on a daily basis, that out of their heart would come, would flow love for you, would flow love for people. Out of their heart would flow acceptance would, for themselves as your child, God, that they would not have to walk around in a mindset of never, never measuring up to what religion has said they need to do, God, but instead that they would begin to be transformed by your Holy Spirit from the inside out, Lord. And I also just ask today, God, 
that that anyone who has believed in the past but feels like that they that either they have walked away, Lord, or maybe that they're just not experiencing that abundant life, God, I ask today that you would begin to transform them, that you would begin to work in their lives, God, and that you would help them to live a life of belief, Lord Jesus. That you would give them the grace to know that they don't have to have all the faith in the world to believe. They simply have to use whatever faith you've given them, God. I just thank you for this day and for, for what you are doing in our lives, Lord, and for all of the love that you have shown us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Wow, Troy. You mentioned that you had a book coming out in a few months. Is it going to be I'm done with religion? <laughs> no, but I <laughs> I had whenever I was praying about this this week, I had the idea, man, I need to write that book next. <laughs> yes, you um, do. And you could write it by just going through what you just spoke. You said so many things, and and believe again, or just believe, now believe. I was just thinking, wow, because I've got to title this program, but I'm going to title it, I'm Done With Religion. Troy, you gave so many aspects, so many things. This has been awesome. And, and what? What else? Tell me what, how you've been ministering and different things now. Well, I, I've mainly, uh, this, this past year, I've mainly been focusing on my YouTube channel um, and then the book that I'm about to come out with. Um, I, I, I don't really do YouTube videos very often, um, but when I do them, I put a lot of time and effort into them. Um, so I've really been, every time I create one, I try to ask you know, the Lord, what is he wanting me to say? And so I've got all these ideas sitting around that I haven't gotten to yet, but I want to. Um, but I've, uh, it's actually really cool um, uh, being able to minister on YouTube because what happens is I'm able to put up, post a video up online, and, and my YouTube channel is called Inspire Christian Books. Um, but it, but I'm able to post a YouTube video, and then everyone who watches it is able to comment on there. So I get all these responses of people, you know, either who who um, like the video, didn't like the video. But what I really love is I love when I get responses from people, you know, honestly responding and saying, "This is the same issue I've been going through," you know, and either this this helped me, or this is the same issue I'm going through, and I need, you know, I need help. And honestly, like. That to me, that's the best place to be when you've been going through an issue for a long time, and I get to see it firsthand. You know, like people coming and saying, you know, exactly what you're talking about is what I what I've been dealing with, and I'm I'm ready for the Lord to do something. You know, I'm ready for God to make a change, and I I I love that aspect of it. Um, yeah, I'm also coming out with a new book. Uh, it's not online yet. Um, it's gonna it's probably gonna be out in a few months, but it's gonna be a daily devotional book, uh, 30 days. Um, the actual title is 30 Days of Inspiration and Hope. And um, what I, my focus in the book is to really lay a foundation because where we get our inspiration or our hope, to, like not from anywhere else um, except for from what Jesus has done for us and what he wants to do for us now. And 
you know, on a daily basis through the Holy Spirit. And so my inspiration for the book is to really build a foundation over a period of 30 days, build a foundation um, using, using different uh, illustrations and different, uh, different uh, stories out of the Bible, using different stories for my own life, um, and then you know, backing it up with Scripture. But to build a foundation of grace you know, in people's hearts and, and the love of God, um, the same, really the same thing I was talking about today. Because um, honestly, like the more uh, the more that I the more videos I put out, and the more like you know um, writing that I do, the more I see that people keep responding with with either the mindset of religion or the mindset of God has not accepted me, you know, because of what I've, I've done, and He can't accept me. And the truth is, God, you know, God will accept you when you accept Jesus Christ, no matter what you've done. And he wants to, and and He loves you, and that's why He wants to accept you. And anyway, so <laughs> anyone to change it. I know, I know you're thrilled with the with those from America, but from all over the world, I've I've seen some of your things on there, responses that people have responded to, you, and they're from different countries. That's so awesome. Yeah, um, when I first started the YouTube channel, I, I I was probably only up for a few months or so, and I got on there and I started. They have like a bunch of analytics you can look through. I started looking through the hundreds of countries that had, that in which people had watched my videos, and I, I just started scrolling through this list of all these names of different countries, and I just started crying, you know, thinking like, yeah. "There's no way that I could do this on my own. Like, this is what God is doing, you know. There's, I can take no credit for this, but it it's so amazing to me because it's." I can see, you know, that it's something that God is working on. And, and humbled I, by God, so, that's a good thing, isn't it? Humbled by God. Yeah, I, I'm just, you know, privileged to be able to, to, you know, to be a part of it. So. Well, I want to thank you so much. And uh, is there anything else you want to share? Everything's been nuggets, awesome gold nuggets. Yeah, I, I think that's all that the Lord gave me uh, to oh, share. Okay, so, well, that's an awesome no, that's an awful lot of awesome things. And you know what? When when you paused, it was almost like it was perfect between each one because there was nuggets for people to think about. You know, in the Bible it says, Selah, pause and think on that. And we often do pause when we're reading the psalm or reading something. We think, wow, that's awesome. And you said some awesome things today, Troy. So I thank you for giving your testimony, talking about this, sharing your life. And I guess for, for a real cuff, well, that's a wrap.